0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 239, Conflict Doesn't Have to be Torture, an interview with Amanda Cabot, coming to you on Thursday, March 11th, 2021 how is your writing doing i have a little bit of sunshine this week and i don't know if that's it but it just makes me want to write or i'm just enjoying the sunshine and happen to be in a mental place where i just want to write all the time without doing anything else. I don't wanna do anything. I There's so many things that I love to do, like this podcast, and I was like, I just wanna work on my book. <laughs> is that terrible of me? Okay, so part of the reason I'm so excited is because I have decided to definitely rebrand all of my books. Everything that's published under Kitty Bullholtz in fiction, which right now is all the fiction, is going to be rebranded so that I can choose a more focused Uh, target market in my marketing. Um, What I've been doing in the past is writing for people like me about people like me. Like I happen to be a Christian. I have a lot of faith things in my life that cause me to talk to God all the time and um, be always thinking about praying all the time, which for me is just me talking to God all the time. (laughs) Um, and, uh, also, you know, I think sex is one of the best things God ever invented. I think it's awesome. I don't mind, uh, you know, letting people know that I think it's awesome. And, um, I do Swear sometimes, uh, sometimes to be funny, sometimes when I'm angry, kind of depends on the swear word. Uh, but when you write books like that, there isn't really a category for it on Amazon or any of the other sites. And it was confusing my readers who, some of which uh, they didn't expect that they were going to be getting uh, in some of the books more faith elements and uh, people talking to God all the time. And uh, other readers, they were like, oh, what? what's all this swearing and sex stuff going on? That's not what I expected. So I decided that for marketing purposes and for growing my business, so with my business person's hat on, I decided that I needed to find a place where I could target readers and put my books all into a space where people look at my name and go, oh yeah, I like her books. Not only do I like the way that she writes and the way that she makes me laugh or cry or whatever, wink, wink. (laughs) I actually made myself cry when I was reading one of my scenes today. I'm like, I wrote this like 10 years ago, but I just love this scene. So anyway. Um, but so that people know what they're getting just by looking at the name. This is an important uh, marketing tactic that uh, all publishers um, of any stripe use, and it makes sense. Uh, The biggest thing that kept me from it was that I was very worried that my two audiobooks would be terribly expensive to redo, turns out, insert story here, they weren't. And so I'm super excited. Uh, Today, as I am uh, recording this, I actually finished all of the changes to the book, to the first book that I'm working on, which is Unexpected Superhero, uh, to send out to my audiobook narrator, Catherine Gaffney. And then she uh, has... um, time in her schedule on her uh calendar for what's it called her studio her uh audio studio Uh, and she's going to start working on it next week i'll let you know um as things progress like what my plans are for a relaunch i'll relaunch the entire brand so even though it's three uh separate series it's everything is going to now be Uh, having the the same feel of kind of a sweet feel, whether it's the uh, chiclet or the romantic comedy or the superhero books, which are kind of light urban fantasy with some rom-com kind of stuff in it. But I just call it light urban fantasy. So, uh, if you are interested in this sort of thing, I also just this week posted a, a weekly writing tip video on my Facebook page for Right Now Workshop and Podcasts. You can just go to Facebook, look for Right Now Workshop and Podcasts, and it is the uh, video that I did on March 10th, I think it was. So, that will give you some more information. Is there anything else I need to tell you? I don't think so. Uh, remember, you can go to rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach and find out more about what it's like to work with me, different ways that you can work with me. Um, we got big things and small things. I also have a new idea that I think is going to be fabulous that will almost certainly be only for uh, published authors in the beginning, um, multi-published authors. Uh, that's a, a new idea that I will tell you more about later. I am um, very excited to have started this year out with Transcripts on every episode, and that's on the show notes page. Show notes are at podcast. and then forward slash episodes, and then find the episode that you're looking for. But I will tell you the next few weeks, it may be a little bit more difficult for me to get the transcripts up on the same day that the podcast goes live because my fabulous assistant Angele, who's been helping me with that, got called away on some family business. So she'll be um, uh, not working with us for a couple of weeks. And then, um, yeah, the next thing to tell you is just that next week, uh, the guest will be Cynthia Rukti talking about deep emotion. But today, I'm so excited to be talking to Amanda because she's got a thousand interesting things to say. She's got tons of experience. And today's episode is just one of the times that she'll be on this show. But we're talking about conflict. And it's one of the things that um, a lot of us can struggle with the more that we like our characters. Sometimes it can be even more and more difficult to give them the kind of conflict that readers want to experience because you're like oh I don't want this bad thing to happen to them (laughs) and I totally get it even though I did blow up Sydney's car in Unexpected Superhero and she really liked that car she named him Bill because it was the biggest bill she'd ever had in her life when she bought the car (laughs) um so Listen to this episode with Amanda, and I think that you are going to have some great ideas on what you're going to be able to do with conflict conflict in your novels. Uh, without further ado, let's go talk to Amanda. Today's guest is Amanda Cabot. Amanda is the best-selling author of Out of the Embers, as well as the Simmering Creek Trilogy and the Texas Crossroads, Texas Dreams, and Westward Wind series. Her books have been finalists for the ACFW Carroll Awards, the Holt Medallion, and the Booksellers Best. She lives in Wyoming. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me here, Kitty. I'm looking
1: forward to this.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I am excited to talk to somebody who's living where there's snow. We had a teeny tiny amount of snow in Melma um, two nights ago. I woke up and there was snow still on the ground. And I was like, thank you, God. You know how much I've missed this. (laughs) Well, we don't get as much
1: snow as you might think. Um, You know, I know you've lived in the Great Lakes State. I was raised outside of Buffalo, New York. So I was used to snow that was there for you know, like all year it felt like. But uh, the great thing about snow in Cheyenne is it melts before it gets that ugly brown stuff. So it's when it melts, it's pretty.
0: Ah, so it's all kind of, um, the, the sort of thing that you read about in the books with the beautiful white landscape and then it melts, so then you just had beautiful landscape? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, listen, um, we haven't talked before, so I don't really know that much about your background and how long you've been writing and how you got started publishing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh,
1: that's going to be boring pretty fast. Um, No, no. (laughs) Well, I wanted to be a writer from the time that I was seven. And that was when my family moved from a small town in Texas to Western New York outside of Buffalo. And talking about snow, this was in the middle of the winter. So here we are, my sisters and I, and there's snow. First time we've seen snow. We want to go out and play in it. Do we have any clothes? No. The only gloves we had were the cotton gloves that we wore to church. Imagine making snowmen with that.
0: Oh, man, I bet your hands were cold and wet so fast.
1: (laughs) But it was still, you know, it was magic because it was snow. Anyway, that move uh, was about the time that I decided I wanted to be a writer. And part of it was because I loved reading. Reading was what would give me an escape from everything, including cold hands from the snow. And could take me to places I wanted to be teach me new things. So I was determined I was gonna be a writer. Now, what kind of a writer varied. For a while, I wanted to be a newspaper editor. And you'll notice that the hero of my new book is a newspaper editor. That's as close as I got to that. Other than, well, there was the, the neighborhood newspaper that had stories that included my fictional pet, which was a dinosaur, I think the fact that I put this story about a dinosaur in there should have been my clue that I really wasn't cut out for nonfiction, that my my real interest was in fiction. And so I wrote, but never truly for publication until I set myself this goal of selling my first book before my 30th birthday. A month before I turned 29, I said, you know, if you're going to hit this uh, 30th birthday goal, you better get moving on this seriously. And at that point, I saw a commercial on TV for Harlequin Romances. And this is like too many years ago to count. But at that point, they had two lines, Harlequin and Harlequin Presents. So I picked up one book from each of them, read it, and said, hey, I'm going to try this. I wrote my first romance, sold it to the second editor and who saw it and thought, oh, this is great. I mean, you know, this is what I accomplished. I actually got the call from the editor one week before my 30th birthday.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. And then um, I'm just guessing if it was during a time when Harlequin had just two lines, this was, this was a call on a telephone on the wall. A a real phone, not an email like we get now.
1: (laughs) Email? No, no, no. That was before the internet. (laughs) As I said, we're not going to talk about how long ago that was. No,
0: it was just a little bit. (laughs) Ancient history. Oh, how exciting. So how did you celebrate or what, what were you thinking or feeling? Well,
1: excited. And I wasn't telling anybody because I worked for a bank at the time. A very conservative bank. Thinkers do not write romance. Uh, I had had a friend there who read every romance she could find. So when I resigned and was going on to my next job, she said to me, you know, one of these days, I'm going to write a romance like that. And I looked at her and I said, well, I have. What'd she say? She's going, you wrote it. I said. Well, actually, I sold it, too. <laughs> oh. So the dark secret was out at that point. Yeah.
0: But how exciting. I mean, you left the job so you weren't embarrassing anybody. And somebody who reads romances then probably went and read your romance, right? She did. Uh, do you have any idea if she ever started writing herself? Oh, she has. She hasn't sold, but um, oh. she's right. Nice. So then did you continue having a a career in finance or banking or something like that in addition to writing, or did it kind of quickly become a full-time career of its own?
1: (laughs) Good question. I was actually in information technology. And when my first book was published, people kept saying, well, aren't you going to quit your job? And I said, you know, you've heard the phrase for love or money. Well, I write for the love of it. The day job is what pays the mortgage, yeah. And that's been true until I was able to take, ultimately take early retirement but, um, and become a full-time writer. But before that, I wrote part-time, which meant writing nights, weekends. I traveled a great deal for a number of my jobs. So I learned to write airports, uh, airplanes, hotels, wherever. Right.
0: Oh, wow. That's just such a great story. I love it. <laughs> so then, so then how did life change? When, Cause we're going to um, quickly get up to, you have a new book out. So how did life change when you were able to um, put all of your attention or did it change? Were you pretty much just kept, uh, I guess probably lots of people have wondered, you know, how will my life change when I'm writing full time? And I'm not sure that, uh, that it always does in the way that people think it might
1: it's interesting because i was at a conference and one of the speakers there was talking about how he had written the way i had part-time while he worked full-time and he thought he said oh when i can write full-time it's going to be different i'm going to be so much more productive i'm going to write eight hours a day and he said the reality is i write the same number of hours that i wrote before and that's what's happened for me i found you know you you set up a pace, and it becomes comfortable, and that's what continues. So I write about as much as I did before. It's a lot more fun now yeah. uh, because there's less pressure. I mean, I don't have the day job, the day job as well, but um, it's I'm not actually writing more than I did before. Well, that's kind of surprising.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially because um, I think you said retired, you retired from your other career. So I mean, how nice that you can still have this thing that you love to do and you get paid for doing it. And yet you feel like, um, I really did retire. I really do have extra time to do fun things with family and friends. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay, so that's getting us close to the point where you have a new book out, (laughs) Dreams Rekindled. Tell us a little bit, this is actually book two in a trilogy, right? Correct. Okay. Why don't you kind of back us up and tell us a little bit about what this trilogy is about and then tell us a little bit about uh, what the book's about. And then for people who are wondering what we're going to talk about, uh, though, you'll probably be able to have uh, been able to figure it out from the title. Amanda has some great things to say and advice to give on conflict, which I can't wait for because I find it like torture myself when somebody says, just torture your characters. And I'm like, please don't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your, your uh, most current trilogy first. Okay, it's the Mesquite Springs Trilogy,
1: and that's named by the name of the town. It's a small town in the Texas Hill Country. The first of the books starts in, in um, 1856, which some people would say is the golden age of Texas. It's before the Civil War started. And life was calm, sort of. <laughs> Certainly not for my characters. Because it was the era before the Civil War, there was a lot of things simmering below the, below the surface. And that's part of what causes the conflict with the characters in Dreams Rekindled. The first book, um, the books can all be read as standalones, they can be read in any order. Because I will say one of the things, one of my pet peeves are books where if you're reading the second book in a series, you feel like you've come late to a party and everybody knows everybody, but you don't. So I don't do that to my readers. I also really, really hate books that end with cliffhangers. Yeah. I love to end chapters with cliffhangers, but I want things wrapped up by the end of the book. And so that's also what I do for my readers. I promised you no cliffhangers.
0: Well, and I have to tell you, I very much appreciated being able to start at the beginning and guess that there probably must've been another book before this one, I had an advanced reader's copy. So there was no back cover copy. You know, I I only had like the two sentences on what it was about. And I don't think that I knew that it was a, uh, a not book one in a series. And I was reading it going, well, I don't seem to be missing anything. I'm following the story. So I'm just going to relax and enjoy it. So thank you very much from a reader.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that I accomplished what I wanted to. The second book, Dreams Rekindled, is the story of Brandon, who is a newspaper editor. And unfortunately, well, he gets tortured a bit. Um, Our heroine is the sister of the hero of book one. And readers get introduced to her in book one. They learn that her goal in life is to be a writer. And more than that, her goal is to be like Harriet Beecher Stowe, who changed the world with her books. And this is what Dorothy wants. Now, think about the time frame and the location. We're in Texas, which is deep south. (coughs) Excuse me. Slave-owning territory. Uncle Tom's Cabin wasn't exactly popular there. In fact, it was much banned. So here we've got a heroine who wants to do that. She wants to be like Harriet Beecher Stowe. Um, Then we have a hero who wrote an editorial suggesting that the people in his town, also in Texas, read Uncle Tom's Cabin he's not saying you have to believe it or you have to accept what it says. He just wants people to understand what the book is about. How do the people in the North feel? Got some conflict here? You bet.
0: Yeah, (laughs) wow. And so, okay, so we don't wanna, of course, we're not gonna talk about how the book ends or anything like that, but we've got uh, somebody who wants to be a writer and somebody who is a newspaperman, and they're living in a conflicted time of, of history. Plus, they probably also are going to have some personal conflicts as well. They do.
1: And they both have... Uh, and well, I, want, I don't want to talk about it too I, much. More.
0: I know. I was like, okay, I'm not going to mention all the things that I've already read.
1: <laughs> but well, they, have, they do have internal conflict as well. And these are things that are parts of their past, that turn them into the people that they are, and that make the story deeper.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things that we really wanted to talk about, because it's something that you do well, and you've talked about before at writers conferences. and. Um, and because you know it's writers talking about writing, this is probably something that, given the the microphone and in an extended period of time, you could just talk about for a while. But let's look at. Um, feel free to use any book that you want as an example, um, or just make up things as you go, or whatever. But help us to understand a little bit. Um, particularly, you know, people like me who suffer suffer from nice girl syndrome. It's, it is really hard for me to think of something that's really good conflict that, uh, that it doesn't make me feel like I can't do that to her. She's, she's a nice person, but there is a difference between torture and conflict. Writers like to say, torture your characters, but give us your take on how it works. What do you, uh, When you're teaching, what do you teach to people or how are you making your decisions when you're writing your stories, both for external, internal, start wherever you like. (laughs)
1: Let me start off by saying that on a personal basis, I hate conflict. I will do almost anything that I can to reach consensus rather than have confrontation. That's me. (laughs) Early in my writing career, that carried over into my books. I sold the first book, as I told you, to the second editor who read it, which made me think, oh, I've really figured this out. But then I kept getting rejection notices, those horrible form rejection notices that tell you nothing. Right. Did the editor think this was the worst prose in the English language? Or did she like it, but she bought something similar just yesterday? I didn't know why I was getting rejections until I got one that said, we like your voice, but nothing happens. And I went, what do you mean nothing happens? <laughs> I'm a contemporary romance. I had a wonderful heroine. I had an even more wonderful hero. I sent them on to an exotic location and they had a wonderful courtship and they all lived happily ever after. Well, it took a while, but then I realized what she meant. That path to happily ever after is what we might want in our personal lives, but it doesn't make for a good story.
0: Yeah. You need
1: conflict. You need something keeping these perfect people apart. And oh, by the way, they can't actually be perfect. And all of this means you need conflict in a book. We can't talk about conflict in a vacuum, though, because it's all part of GMC. We're not talking about trucks and SUVs, as you know, but goal, conflict, goal, motivation, and conflict. That's the foundation for every story. Goal, just to remind everybody, goal is the question, what is it that my characters want more than anything? What will they do anything in the world to achieve? Motivation is, why is that goal so important to them? And conflict is, what's keeping them from achieving it? You've got to have all three elements. They must be strong. Think about them like a tripod. If any one of the legs is weak, it's not going to work. You're going to have a problem. You need all three to be strong in order to keep your reader engaged. And obviously... That's what we want. Uh, we want to make our readers empathize with our characters, and we need all of that. There are a lot of books about GMC. There are also some books about that are really good about conflict. One that I particularly like is James Scott Bell's *Conflict and Suspense*. And you're looking like yeah. you've.
0: I'm looking at my library. I'm like, it's right over there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: One of my favorite lines in there is it all comes down to one thing. Characters who are in trouble. And think about it. That trouble is the conflict. And it comes in two forms, external and internal. There are people who will disagree with me, but I believe strongly that you need both of them. External conflict is actually the easier to write. That's the bad guys determined to stop the hero from reaching his goal. Think about the Indiana Jones movies.
0: Yeah, and
1: all of the things that he goes through to reach his goal. And the the important thing about external conflict is that it keeps escalating, and that's really important. You have one problem at the beginning. As soon as the hero or heroine surmounts that problem. Another one comes up. The escalation is really important. Internal conflict is typically something that came from our past, something that maybe we want to hide, something we don't want to think about, and something we certainly don't want others to know about. An example of that is from Les Rob*. You know the scene where Javert says, we've recaptured Jean Valjean. He's going to the galleys. So here you've got Jean Valjean, this man who has been running away from his past and he's been really successful. He's the mayor of the town. He owns a factory. He employs a lot of people. He can't let anybody know that he is the real Jean Valjean. Because if he does, all of this falls apart. But on the other hand, If he doesn't admit who he really, really is, an innocent man is going to be punished for his crimes. Right. Incredible internal conflict. How does it end? He says, here's who I am. I'm Jean Valjean. I'm 24601. Yeah. So that's the difference between internal and and external conflict. And as I said, I believe you need both of them.
0: Yeah, now can I ask a question? So I was thinking, what if Jean Valjean wasn't a very good guy because we've seen movies where the villain character, has that decision set before him, and regardless of how tough a decision it is, chooses to protect themselves, which makes them the villain of that particular story. So, do you have any uh, particular way that you are looking at goal motivation and conflict with the people who are the antagonists in your stories? I,
1: oh, that's that's a really good question. Um, some of them. as as you know, can redeem themselves at the end. But I do try to figure out what motivates my, my villains. And there is a particularly bad villain in the first book in the series. And you see what motivated him. He's the younger son. His brother married the woman he wanted to marry. And he is determined to get his revenge on that. And he does. Um, So I always like to show their, their goal and their motivation. They typically don't have as much internal conflict as the hero and heroine do. And the reason for that is that internal conflict is what makes our characters grow. Right. That leads into to one of the other things I wanted to talk about, which is that the level of external and internal conflict will vary based on the type of story you're telling. Plot-based stories like suspense or thrillers have a lot of physical and external conflict. Sometimes they don't have any internal conflict at all. Mm -hmm. Um, That, I mean, think about the James Bond movies. Yeah. Do you see any internal conflict? No. I mean, they're great fun to watch, but it's all external. There will be people who disagree with me, but I believe you need internal conflict even in suspense or thrillers because it deepens the reader's connection with the hero and heroes. And it's important for the character arc where we watch our characters grow and change My good friend and fellow author Joanne Kennedy, who writes wonderful cowboy stories, says that if she's done her stories right, at the end of the book, her heroine can do something that she couldn't do at the beginning. Nice. He's changed. Uh, James Bond doesn't change. Right. But if we're dealing with character based stories, which are the kind that I write, then internal conflict is more important because it allows our characters to grow or heal. And <laughs> you notice the word heal.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is a new, I mean, that's not something usually people talk about when they talk about character growth. So I'm, I'm listening.
1: <laughs> um, I write stories of healing. You know, we all have some core stories. And that all comes down to this thing about, I don't want to torture my characters. <laughs> yeah. And, but I have to do, I have to put them in horrible, horrible situations to make a good story, to give the character art. So I have made it palatable to myself by saying that I'm not torturing my characters. I'm healing them. I love it. And so we need these wounds. Sometimes in the books that I've written, the healing is physical. Many times it's emotional and sometimes it's both, but the healing is the underlying theme. And when you think about it, when a person heals, he or she changes and overcomes the internal conflict that was so painful, so that's the healing.
0: Nice. I like this. That is a much better way to look at it. I'm just realizing I've got my plotting board. I have to hold it up because I I love my plotting board. I've got my plotting board here for my uh, current book. And I'm looking at different things having to do with the internal and external um, uh, conflicts and, and things going on throughout the story. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to come back to my board again, looking at it as what's wrong with them that I'm going to help them heal. And I think it's just going to make it much more fun for me, and I'll be able to make the 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 different kinds of conflicts like uh, stronger, stronger. I guess would be the right word. Oh, I'm feeling very excited now.
1: <laughs> you want to play with an example?
0: Yes. I'll put,
1: okay. Uh... Here we have my heroine. Her goal is to save the family farm. Her motivation. It's been in the family for more than 100 years. The conflict. There's a company that wants to buy the land, build a factory, and will do everything and anything to succeed. Are you yawning yet? No. (laughs) Well, actually, it's pretty boring. (laughs) I mean, that's a scene, a, a setup that we've seen 100 times. And it's not particularly strong. It's pretty much a cliche. So let's try and make it a little stronger.
0: Yeah. And you know what? When when you asked me if I was boring, if I was bored yet, it was like, because, okay, you must have something coming. But you're right. If that was the whole story. <laughs> it, like it, it wouldn't really
1: sustain it. It wouldn't make our readers care. So let's try and make it a little stronger. Uh, we're still trying to save the family farm. It's been in the family for a hundred years, but what if it controls access to critical water supply? And what if the company that wants to buy it isn't just any ordinary company, it's a chemical company with a history of polluting. Ah, yeah. So now we've deepened the external conflict. Now let's add some internal conflict, and this is shamelessly borrowing from Les Miserables. and I'm I'm really going to be clear about that. My heroine once worked for the company, this bad chemical company, and she was in fact responsible for the development of the harmful chemical that they are currently dumping. When she realized what was happening, she resigned. She returned to her hometown. She is now running for office against her arch enemy who supports the company. If, her connection with the company comes out. She's afraid she's going to lose the election. This has major implications for the whole town, for the whole area. But what is she going to do? I mean, now she's got to face the same kind of decisions that Jean Valjean does. Yeah. What is she going to do? What decisions is she going to make? Wow. I mean, okay. still, it's still cliched. But it gives you an idea of how to play with a basic GMC and how to make it stronger.
0: Yeah, because in my mind, I was thinking, okay, well, she can admit to working at the company, but not admit to developing the, um, the chemical. She could, she could you know, get out in front of it, admit to all of it and be like, this is why it's bad. And so you should trust me. And, and, but then I, there'd have to be like something, uh, a, uh, consequence for no matter what she did. And if she didn't say anything, then there would have to be a consequence for that. And I was like, oh, so I guess, you know, I, in my mind, I'm like thinking of all my mind mapping ideas and like, which one would be the coolest idea? <laughs> well,
1: and, and that's the idea. I mean, start with something and, Then keep saying, what if, what if, what if? How can I make it harder on my characters? Not torturing them, remember, we're just giving them an opportunity to heal. Right. Um, There's also something, a point I wanted to make, which is, and, and some people will definitely disagree with me on this. There are people who argue that you need a separate internal and external GMC chart for each character. I disagree strongly. I believe that you need the same goal, and the same motivation, but different internal and external conflict fighting against that same goal. The reason is that if you have two separate goals, where's your focus? Yeah. It your story. Your story is much more powerful if you have a single goal, as we do here, save the farm. But that the conflict, the things that are keeping our heroine from saving the farm are both the external, this horrible company, and internal, her past. Right. So there's no right or wrong way. Well, in my mind, there is. (laughs) (laughs) I I really believe that when you're writing a character-based story, you should have only one goal and then have the different kinds of conflicts. Well,
0: The way that you're describing it, it definitely sounds like you would be, like you, the reader, would be much more thoroughly engrossed in this, what seems to be that it would be a much stronger story because everything is about, you know, can she or can't she overcome uh, both internally and externally this one thing?
1: Right. And she has a single goal. I mean, she's trying to do one thing. She's very focused on it, but She's got things that are, are stopping her and they're not just bad guys on the outside. There's what's inside her as well.
0: Yeah. So when you're doing your, uh, you sound like you're probably more of a plotter than a pantser. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and for, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so when you're thinking to yourself, uh, you're, you're coming up with the pieces and you're like, okay, I think I've got this piece. This is going to be the goal. Um, and therefore, you know, what are the ways that I'm going to show that the interior conflict with the goal and the exterior conflict with the goal? Um, unless you've already thought of who your antagonist is, is that how you start coming up with who will be, um, you know, the, the allies and the enemies for, for my, my hero or my heroine?
1: And I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm a plotter, and as I said, an extreme plotter. But that doesn't mean that things don't change along the way. Yeah. And in fact, Dreams Rekindle changed a fair amount. I, uh, I outlined it, which is my standard thing. That's why I call it the skeleton. It's ugly, you know. And I did my first draft, also ugly. Did the second draft. And then I realized that the conflict that I had in there and the goal weren't actually strong enough. It was a good story. It wasn't a great story. And I really thought my readers would be disappointed. So I had to do a fair amount of reworking on that, making Brandon's conflict stronger than it was, making Brandon's goals different than they were. At the beginning brandon
0: of course being the hero yeah wow okay this is really interesting because something that i've um been thinking about a long time like the last probably two or three years anyway is um i w- without um without an overabundance of pride i'm just saying i know that i'm a good writer i enjoy writing i get good reviews on my books but i want to be a better writer and i've been really struggling like how do i get past I don't know, maybe it's a plateau, maybe it's not. But I'm like, I know that there's something more that I can do that will make my stories even better. And I feel like we're kind of really hitting on this internal and external conflict that's related to the same goal, making a stronger story.
1: I believe it does. I mean, when you think about it logically, you're focusing everything on a single goal and yet you're tearing your characters apart. Oh dear, that's torturing them, isn't it? on the rack I mean this is medieval torture but that's what life is I mean when you think about it the most the most important thing is I've got this goal but what is keeping me from it I mean it's life's not easy you know that story that the editor said nothing happens well that's because I presented a perfect life and it was one that doesn't really really exist yeah reality is it's tough yeah, have got external and internal things that are stopping you from reaching your goal. But if you, if you work your characters through this, if you have the ultimate healing, then think about what a satisfying read that is for readers. You know, when they get to the end, they have this feeling that, yes, they've reached happily ever after. Yeah. It wasn't easy. But because it isn't an easy journey, that makes it all the more meaningful when you reach the end.
0: And it also seems to me that one of the gifts of fiction is that it um the stuff that uh there's so much great fiction in my mind there's so much there are more books that i want to read than i know i'll actually like live long enough to to read and i just have to accept that and prioritize (laughs) but um the thing that i love about fiction is that there are so many times when just this little piece in a story or maybe getting to the very end of a book and i'll sit there and think and, and a lot of times it is more unconscious than that, but I'm just saying that there is a point at which I'm recognizing, okay, this person got through their hard thing, I will figure out my hard thing. And it just makes me feel like, okay, life is tough for them, life is tough for me, we can get through it. They had friends, am I relying on my friends enough? Maybe I'm not involving my secondary characters in my life enough, you know? <laughs> but
1: that's, that's really important. and. I mean, I can't tell you. Some of the, e- some of the emails and fan letters that I have gotten have brought me almost to tears. Mm. The books I wrote, "Scattered Petals," it was the second in the Texas, um, what's that called, Texas Roses series? <laughs> no, Texas Dreams. Oh should remember the names of my series.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of books out, though.
1: <laughs> I, I think I called it Texas Roses initially. But anyway, Texas Dreams, the second one. The Talk about torturing your character. The book opens. The heroine is on her way to attend her former brother-in-law's second wedding. She's in a stagecoach with her parents. The stagecoach is held up. Her parents are killed. She is raped.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Now, <laughs> how do I do this to her? Yeah, wow. Uh, obviously, she's got a lot of healing to do. Yeah. And it was the most difficult book I've ever written because, I mean, imagine the research that I had to do, the yeah. reading I had to do, but I wrote it. I felt this was a book I needed to write. It didn't get the best reviews of all of my books, but it has gotten me more letters from people who said, you changed my life. Wow. They picked up this book at a hard time. They were going through tough times. They watched how Priscilla overcame some really horrible, horrible things. And because it was fiction, it was removed. I mean, you know, you can you can get self-help books. You yeah. Go to your therapist, yeah, hey, read this book. That wasn't helping them, but seeing it in a fictional context seeing someone go through terrible terrible events and heal from it gave them the strength to do it um it's the power of fiction yeah it pains us but it can do so much more than entertain us it can heal us as well as our characters
0: Ah. Uh. That's beautiful. You know, the tagline for my right now workshop podcast and classes is write a book, change the world, because I really do believe that it is worth all the time and energy. If you find out when you die that you changed even one person's life for the better, I think that's totally worth it.
1: Oh, it is. It is. And I truly believe that we are put on earth to make it better in some way. It doesn't have to be big, It could be bringing a smile to somebody on a tough day. Right. That's changing the world. You know, if you've got, you're in the store and you see somebody who's looking pretty unhappy and you smile at them, who knows what power that has? Yes. And we as writers
0: have even more power. I love this. You and I are going to be friends forever. We totally are meeting in the middle in this. Oh, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. And it's one of the reasons why I've been doing the podcast for three years now, um, because I think it's important, not just, uh, first of all, uh, of course, like at all the levels that you are talking about, that stories can reach us. Those are also all the levels that I think that um, we experience as writers. And so I was thinking, first of all, I really, really, really want to encourage people who think that they have a story to tell, know that they have a story to tell, or have already written 20 books. And they're like, I'm reaching a wall. What is my 21st idea? Because I think that, um, that we have these uh, internal and external conflicts in ourselves, in our writing lives, in the rest of our lives. The world certainly is full of conflict, um, and the idea... That, um, that we can help each other. This, this idea that you have made me think about for the first time in this way of um, taking somebody who already has pain in their lives. It's just that we're starting the story like beginning to see the pain and then healing them in a way that's believable that makes the reader then think, okay, I also can heal from my pain. This is not just a silly book with, with a ridiculous, um, somebody suddenly just made it all better kind of ending. Like this is somebody who probably had to work hard in their healing, as well as um, reaching out to other people, helping other people. I could just, you've really like hit my my button to like stand up and start going, okay, everybody, seriously, these are all great reasons to keep writing, working on your books. And Amanda, this is a great, great idea for how we can look at conflict differently and make our books more fun and exciting and in the end, better books that have you know, this is one of our other goals better books that have more chance of more sales. And that's true. I mean, the thing is, don't, as you know, and as everybody who's listening to this knows,
1: it's not easy. There are people who think that writing is just something, you know, well, you can just turn those things out in a week or two, can't you? <laughs> no, <laughs> because writing com- and writing conflict in particular, internal conflict, especially. It's hard. It's not what we want to do. It's not who we are. As you said, you know, nice girl syndrome. Yeah. We all want people to be happy. We want them to be good people and they aren't all. And so we have have to work at it. And I'm telling you, it's hard. There are times when I sit there and I agonize over every single word in a scene thinking, Is this the right word? Is this saying exactly what I want? So that's my conflict. But when I'm describing characters going through tough times, that's hard to do. And I know it's hard for readers to read some of that. But the end, I mean, the the final line on this is there's healing. And yes, we can have our happily ever after, even though it's hard to get there
0: and then it just um it all feels so worthwhile you know when you're reading the book and you get to that satisfying ending you're like ah oh, okay i'm just i'm happy now i mean that was really tough wow they went through a lot but they did it <laughs> uh yeah which honestly i mean i have read um some books uh of course i'm not going to name any um i have read some books that were so sweet and so nice um There's actually, this is just sort of funny. And of course, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, it's a very big author whom I love, but it was a new series. And I didn't know that much about it, except for that it was very popular. And it seemed like everybody I knew was reading this series. So I found book one and I start reading. And apparently I was just in a mood for something else. As I get to the end of chapter one, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, is there like, does she walk into the empty house and somebody's in it? nope, nope. Chapter two, Not nobody was in the house. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um. Oh, I'm sure. And every chapter I was like, oh, so is this the part where, Um. excuse me, I got so excited. Where is this the part where like the guy comes at her or somebody starts to run her over in the car? And, and then after a while I was like, okay, Kitty, you need to put this book down. This is not the kind of book it is. And you keep being disappointed in every chapter, even though I, I pretty much know that that's probably not what to expect in that book but I still I think I just was in the mood where I wanted there to be bad guys and I wanted to see them get their thing in the end. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I mean and that's part of it. Um there's a line from Peter Paul and Mary song that says justice will somehow prevail. And that is just one of those things I couldn't I couldn't face the world if I didn't believe that. Yeah. And, it may not happen in my lifetime, but I believe it and I can make it happen in my books. Yes. That's the wonderful thing about being a writer. You can create the world the way you want it to be. You can make sure that the bad guys get their just desserts and we're not talking chocolate here. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you can you can create justice and I think that's what we want. I mean, yeah. we want to heal people and, and show that good does prevail.
0: Yeah. Ah, oh, this is so much fun. Okay. Now I don't want to um, cut you off. If you've got any other like last tips that you wanted to, to go through, I definitely personally, I'm going to be making notes when I'm doing the edit. So, <laughs> but I, I don't want to stop you if there was anything else that you wanted to add having to do with the conflict. No,
1: well, we have pretty much uh, covered the whole thing. And, um,
0: Excellent. Oh, I'm so excited. I really am. I, I, I'm i going to totally be looking at this whole thing as soon as we hang up and, and trying to figure out like a new different way of looking at it. And maybe I'll have some, some more bad guys in it. Maybe I just don't have enough bad guys in my sweet small town romance. <laughs> you have bad guys in yours. I do. Yeah, that was very, uh, I, I remember thinking to myself when I was reading, I'm like, wow. All right. Sweet small town romance in a way. I mean, I'm not sure. Tell us, what is the genre that you and your publisher call this particular series? Historical fiction. Just historical fiction. Okay. Yeah. Um, but with a strong romance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it has bad guys. And I, I really liked that.
1: <laughs> and that's what readers have come to expect from me. Uh, a bit of a mystery, a bit of suspense. And yeah, bad guys. Yeah. Because again, it's all part of the, the conflict, the setting up situations and allowing
0: our characters to heal. Yeah. Oh, I love it. This is exciting. Okay. Amanda, where can people find, all right. So do I understand out of the embers is book one of this particular series? Is that right? Yes. Okay. And then the book that just came out is book two dreams rekindled. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when can we expect book three in the trilogy?
1: Book three, which still hasn't, doesn't have a final title, will be out March of 2022.
0: Okay, excellent. So your books are all around a year apart or so?
1: Uh, yeah, but you're, actually, I just signed a contract for a new uh, series, and those books will be coming out more frequently because oh. so many people complained about having to wait a year between books that my publisher said, "Hey, do you think you can do a, a quicker turnaround on this? And I said,
0: yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then will that also be historical? Yes. Okay. And
1: set in the Texas Hill Country because that's the area that, well, I happen to like it, but so do a lot of readers. It's a really popular uh, setting. 19th century is a very popular time frame for me. It's one that I feel comfortable writing in. Yeah. I mean, I was born in the long century. Maybe that's true. I (laughs) won't go there but
0: uh, nice okay good so where can people find you and your books online and I don't know if you have any place that you're planning on being in person at this point you and I are talking in December but uh but readers uh, listeners are going to be uh listening to us in March I think so um right this minute do you have uh any plans to be someplace live and where can people find you
1: (laughs) Now everything is is contingent on the pandemic, and uh, we really don't know where what's going to be happening in March. Um, but readers can find me at amandacabot.com. There's information about my books, information about me, information, tips for writers. Um, my books are available everywhere. My publisher has their own in-house uh, publishing or bookstore called Baker Bookhouse that offers print copies of the books at a very nice discount but they're available everywhere in ebook form and they are now available in audiobook as well. Nice. A lot of new readers so I'm happy about
0: that. Terrific and congratulations again on the book coming out just very recently. Thank you. Yay. Well, listen, thank you so much. I know that I am not the only one who's going to be like, I'm listening to this again with a pen and paper and maybe my story sitting on the side of the desk as well. Thank you so much for sharing your time and these particularly great tips on conflict with us.
1: Kitty, thanks so much for inviting me. And for those of you who are listening or watching, I have one wish for you. I hope that your life is a happily ever after Peaceful, no conflict, but that when you create books, you torture, oh, pardon me, you heal your characters. Thanks for being here.